Hi, I'm Erica Kesman. Welcome to Left to Our Own Devices, a show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life, because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. Today, my guest is Marisa Andrada, the Chief Diversity, Inclusion, and People Officer at Chipotle, which happens to be one of my family's favorite places to go for dinner. Marisa joined Chipotle in April of 2018, and prior to joining Chipotle, she held senior HR roles in a number of amazing organizations, from Kate Spade to Starbucks to GameStop and Red Bull. Marisa got her Bachelor of Science degree from California State Polytechnic University at Pomona and got her Master's of Business degree from Pepperdine University. Marisa, welcome and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Erica, for inviting me. It's great to see you. So for those just tuning in, uh, Marisa and I just were getting started. Her husband popped in for something. Her dog is here. My dog is here. The kids are around. And which is which seems pretty common these days as I'm as I'm recording these podcast interviews. You know, as we go into month 10, this new normal is not so new anymore. So Marisa, I guess I want to start off by saying, how are you doing? Right. This new normal is not so new, although there is not a play, playbook to navigate this. I think from a personal standpoint, everything feels under control and that everyone is well. So we've been able to navigate through COVID, staying out of it, following all the healthy protocols and staying well. And actually learning how to roll, you know, you've got to just let things go. And um, I know me really well. Like I like to think I can control everything and plan outcomes. But one thing I've learned with COVID that you cannot manage the outcomes. It is what it is, you know, in terms of life. Well, I agree with you there, Marisa. If there's one thing I've learned about COVID, we can't control everything and we certainly cannot manage the outcomes. Yes. But Chipotle during this time has been doing really well. You've pivoted seamlessly and and business is up. And so I'd love to hear about how you've been able to do that, where you've made your investments and, and how things are going. Well, I think the pivot really starts with what you and I have had conversations about, the kind of culture and leadership that we set as we came together two and a half years ago. And when I say came together, new CEO joined the company, Brian Nickel. I joined about a month after him. And Brian formed his leadership team with great leaders who were with the company as he joined and the new leaders, I'm one of them. Um, And early, early on, our ability as a leadership team to set a plan for the company for our transformation, which included operations excellence. It included building out our digital infrastructure, which is really giving our guests the ability to order ahead and pick up or order and get delivery. But then... The other piece, too, was all around setting the culture. So while we set these great business objectives, one of the objectives was all around codifying our purpose and our values. And so we spent a lot of time as a leadership team defining who we are and what it is that we stand for. So our purpose is cultivating a better world. And then we defined some values, which I think come not only from the history, the 25-year history of Chipotle at the time, but also I think personally as leaders, what we value, what our morals are and all of that. So I think about that um, purpose and values and a very specific strategy that has not changed over the past two and a half years and really being relentless. So I think about relentless around sticking to our values. So fast forward, we come into this pandemic. No one had a crystal ball going into 2020. 
And um, Chipotle's business ended up being an essential business because we are providing food to our guests, um, healthy food to our guests. And all of the decisions we had made as a leadership team leading up to this time, and when I say leadership team, not only Brian and his team, but then our direct reports, and then all the teams that we had built since then. So when we moved the company, we hired a lot of new people to join in our restaurant support centers. And um, but there's a lean, mean way of working. It was very startup, grounded in our values. And you and I talked a lot about ways in which we've worked and the rituals we've created as a new team. That foundation going into COVID-19 really helped us because it was continuing to play out the objectives that we set. So digital, for example, was one of our priorities. Who knew that our digital business would grow this quickly? You know, COVID-19 actually accelerated it. Um, I think our commitment to operations excellence really prepared us for pivoting in that way and delivering in a new way with our guests. So our restaurants didn't shut down. However, our dining rooms did. And so how do we then support our guests in a safe way? Um, and that was a new thing for COVID too, for the rest of the world. You know, all of these great hygienic safety protocols, wash your hands, don't touch your face, wear a mask, all of that. So you just talked a lot about the importance of culture and values at Chipotle and how you make decisions based on the values, how you align the values. And you and I have spoken about how your rituals are aligned to your values. One of my favorite values at Chipotle, by the way, is authenticity lives here. I'm sure we'll get into some of the others as well. But can you share a decision that you made during the pandemic as a business and how that was aligned to one of your values? Okay. Yeah. So I'll start with the purpose, which is cultivating a better world. And thank you for pulling out authenticity lives here. That is one of my favorites as well. But every decision we had to make very early on as we learned in the COVID, I'll call it learned and lived in the COVID, was all around people. And so if you take the lens of our values and decisions we'll make around people, like, all right, if we're going to remain open, how do we ensure that they are safe? Right. And so if I think about The line is the moment of truth, which is our first value. And it is all about the protocols and the details that we put in place in the restaurant, including our food safety culture, including all of our training. Like, let's make sure that we are investing in that way. So extra hygiene and safety protocols to protect our employees. I think the line is the moment of truth and therefore our guests on the food safe environment that we're creating. That was a lens. I think about um, authenticity lives here with COVID and how employees really want to be their best selves and bring their best full selves to work. That's part of being authentic here. And a way to do that and making decisions was around compensation. So in order to be your best full self at work, clearly you need to get paid. If you're willing and able to work during this time, we'll pay you. But we also made that decision because hours were being changed and they kept flexing. How do we then increase pay during this time? I think that value really drove, you know, how do we ensure people feel their best when they're here and that they can bring their full selves? So pay decisions, not only from an hourly rate during this COVID time, we increased pay by 10% for all of our hourly employees during COVID, but also, look, we were just wrapping up Q1. So Q1 was January, February, March, COVID hit in March, and you know people were going to make an awesome bonus for the full Q1, but then March was way out of control, beyond anyone's control. 
And so the company made the decision, again, for our people through how can we ensure that people bring their best and full selves to work. Um, we made that decision to go ahead and pay out the Q1 bonus um, the, using our values. And I think at the end of the day, people first decisions, you know, it was all about how we take care of our people throughout this time. So I love that. And when I think about this idea of bringing your whole self to work, I describe that as as honoring relationships and to your point, putting people first. And that's what this podcast is about. So I'd love to switch gears a little bit and talk about you, you know, Marisa and your career. You know, you've had a long, successful career in human resources with a number of strong brands. What has the impact of relationships been on your life, relationships with others, but also the relationship with yourself? Yeah, I think about, um, I don't know how I made a journey and career in human resources. I don't think that I chose it. I think maybe it chose me. But if I go back to the relationship with myself and with others, look, I'm always proud to say I am a first-generation American born and raised in Southern California. We were raised in East LA. My parents were immigrants from the Philippines. And we spoke three languages in our house before I can even go to school. So Ilocano and Tagalog, which is kind of the same, Filipino. Um, Spanish, because we had a friend who lived with us during the week who solamente hablaba español, that's it, and then English. And I remember when we were old enough to go to school, and for me that was kindergarten, my mom would always say, only speak English when you leave the house. We want you to fit in. And um, she was just so wanting us to live this American dream that they had and to make friends with others, fit in, don't, you know, don't rock the boat, that kind of thing. And I remember most of my childhood just really being a big observer and then we uh, observer of life and watching people and how they actually reacted in Los Angeles. It was amazing because it was so diverse in terms of families, where they come from, et cetera. But then fast forward in sixth grade, we moved to the Inland Empire, which is a suburb, and it's not diverse. And so to talk about relationships and how I thought it was so easy just to connect with people and try and fit in, no matter how how hard I tried to fit in, in a neighborhood where we we were one of five families that were not white, I'll just say that, and going to elementary school and kids just skipping over me because they're like, no you're different. You look different. You, you know, you dress differently, whatever that is. We'll skip right over you. We won't play you into four square has really forced me to just, um, like I said, be a big observer of life. And I think relationships are so important that it is not just about what you see on the outside. I think it really is about getting to understand people and especially if they're different from you. I think that, you know, I think about the relationship with myself and being okay with being different and acknowledging that, you know, which is tough because my mom's always said, fit in, do everything you can to fit in and try not to stick out. But then I was forced to stick out because kids would point out you're different. And so um, I think about how relationships with other people are really important. I've always come from a place of just really getting to know people before making a judgment. Like it takes me time to really do that with people. And so I think that's the the foundation of a relationship is really being open and seeking to understand where that person comes from. Because until you really understand their story, how can you even build a relationship? Thank you for sharing that story. I have to say, I didn't know that story before you 
just shared it on the show. And hearing it, it is certainly a big part of what makes you you and what makes you both a strong and an empathetic leader. So I would say what you know whether you found HR or HR found you I know I'm grateful and and today everybody listening can benefit. Yeah, I mean I I think about you right a formative time when we when I first moved in 6th grade 2 weeks into it I'm in reading lab with my friend David Postman and he you know he sat next to me every day in reading lab and then one day he had the courage to kind of tap me on the shoulder and say uh Marissa I'm like well it's actually Marisa cuz my parents have an accent so I always correct people. Um, And he goes, well, we have a question for you. And I'm looking around going, well, who's we? There's only you and I sitting in reading lab. He goes, well, we all want to know. I'm like, okay, what is the question? And so he looked at me and he said, how long have you been in this country? And so I thought for a minute, I go, well, let's see, I am 12 and a half years old. So I looked at him and said, I am 12 and a half years old. So 12 and a half years. And it just, that's an example of understand where people come from before you can even assume anything. And I think for him, he kind of went, you know, I can see it. We were just kids, but it's just like, oh, and almost a little embarrassed. But then I think that forged a great beginning of a friendship. And he was a dear, dear friend all throughout high school. And so, you know, and he thought he knew me. And then actually that little piece of data went, whoa, never mind. So that's what I mean by you've got to like figure it out, understand what what their stories are. I love that. And and the other thing that struck me with the story that you just shared was that, you know, in, in the beginning of our conversation, your mom wanting you to speak English to fit in, but now as a head of people and head of diversity and inclusion, you know the impact that having a team that doesn't all look the same, yes. doesn't all sound the same, and the impact that has on performance and the impact that that diversity has on on so many levels. It's so cool that you draw that out. I agree with you. I think, can you imagine just showing up and and I, I, I can imagine because this is my early days in my career, when you think about culture, and you and I have talked a lot about that, where there are a lot of cultures early on where I felt like, okay, I need to dress a certain way, speak a certain language, use these acronyms, et cetera, to actually fit in and do well in this company. And it's, it, these were cultures where it was up or out. And people would say, yeah, I can see you as part of blank culture. I'll just say that. But you're way more sparkly than that. And how do you tone that down? I'm like, whoa, I do not belong here. But to your point, gosh, can people, if they can't bring their best selves to work, how are they really contributing at their fullest? You know, how are they delivering in a way that they want to? So that brings me to my next question. In my first book, Bring Your Human to Work, one of the things that I saw was that rituals are a tool of a human workplace. You know, rituals are something that leaders can use to help people feel more connected, more psychologically safe, have a sense of belonging. And pre-COVID, I got to spend some time at one of the Chipotles on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, experiencing one of Chipotle's important rituals. So I'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about the ritual and the impact that it has on, on your people and culture. Well, I think one of my favorite rituals working in the restaurant or hanging out in the restaurant, since I'm sitting in the office, but we live in the restaurants, is in the morning. So Chipotle opens up at 1030 every day. Most mornings, employees come in 6.30, 7 a.m. And that is focused prep time. 
And that is just our terminology for preparing all the food, cutting all the vegetables, cooking all the food, et cetera. And focus prep, the way we've organized it is that it's not individuals doing their own tasks, but it's teams assigned to different tasks. So if you're washing the lettuce, cutting the vegetables, there's typically two of you hanging out. If you are frying chips, there's two of you who are bagging it. So there's always, you know, this team then ship that happens and preparing all the food. But my favorite ritual is before the restaurant actually opens for guests um, around 10 a.m. Around 10 a.m. is when the team sits down and has lunch together because you have to have lunch before everything opens. And I love sitting down and having lunch. And one of the rituals is when you work at Chipotle, you get a free meal every time you work. And at this point, when you're opening together, you're also having lunch together. And what I love about this lunch is that it's not so much, let's talk about Chipotle and the focus prep that we did. You know, you think about all the work you're doing. It's a lot of detail. What I love is it's just this time to be human and to connect and talk about what's going on. And I've heard so many stories, even if I'm just visiting for the day, of course, I don't work in all the restaurants, but if I'm visiting, just how open, and I just say human, it's just life right? Like you and I were starting this off and life is happening. They're talking about the life that is happening to them. You know, whether it's their brother or sister, their spouse, their roommate, and what exciting thing or what problem. I mean, it's everything that they're bringing in to this lunch that they're talking about. And it's this way of connecting. And not only that, but it's a way of, I think, our employees just saying, hey, I see you and I hear you and I am here for you right? Because now we're going to go into, it's crazy to work at Chipotle, but just that human connection that happens informally and how open I think our employees are. And even if they're not, so if I'm a new employee, you even see it where they kind of sit down and they kind of go, oh, you guys are talking about, you know, whatever. Like I was, I came in one day and this one um, crew member was saying, oh God, my boyfriend's driving me crazy. You know, and she was pulling the group. Should I break up with him or not? I'm like, wow, really? You know? And so um, that is an example. Or another woman who came in who, um, actually this is her second career. I would say it's her second career because she had been an assistant her entire life. Her company had to do a, a major downsizing. And here she is telling the story at lunchtime. It was her first week. And I'm like, this is pretty amazing. You know, I get to hear about how she's making friends with people and how she's enjoying a new kind of work. It was great. I loved the experience yeah. being with the crew members. I loved my chicken bowl with a side of guacamole, even at 10, 15 in the morning. <laughs> um, and I agree. Yes. When when we sat down, I I saw a shift in terms of how crew members were interacting with each other. Everyone sort of exhaled. And, and they were getting ready for the day. There were even people standing at the door waiting to get in, which was kind of funny because it didn't occur to me how many people ate lunch at, at 10.30 in the morning. Um, but, I, but I really did see these connections being built and, and this communication happening up close and personal. So thank you so much for having me. Um, but now we're in the middle of this pandemic. And how has this ritual changed? Our... Are, is A, is it still happening? And are, are crew members just sitting, let's say, socially distanced instead of family style? Yeah. So they have to be socially distant. So I've seen it in the restaurants. I've still had the chance to visit about once a month. And they can't, like, I know you experience everyone sitting around a table. This is more like everyone at least six feet apart, you know, eating their food in the dining room. 
you know, before everything opens. So at least they're eating and they can talk loudly. So there's that. Um, it, it's not the same as sitting around a table, but it's the next best thing. But then, yeah, you and I talked about also that ritual we brought into the office when we began building out um, our new hires in Columbus and Newport and how Mondays became kind of our Chipotle lunch day. And so- Okay, Marisa, yeah. you predicted my next question. So it's Chipotle day and everybody gets to eat together in the restaurants, but what about the people in, in all of your other corporate offices? And a follow-on to that is how is that happening now during this pandemic when, when many people are still working from home? Yeah. So everyone, for the most part, is working from home. There are a handful on any given day that are in the office just because they need to be there for one reason or another. But yeah, there is no Chipotle lunch day. Obviously, we're not catering in because no one's there. And everyone has their brown bag card where they can order their Chipotle for delivery at home. Um, This one really cool thing happened since you and I haven't caught up in a couple of months. So I was chatting with my team there's this whole culture committee made of different employees from different departments. And it was all all came together to live our values. And they're just like, well, we physically can't be doing lunch on Mondays, but what if we do virtual Chipotle lunch? I'm like, okay, say more about that. So every Monday, it's kind of like these virtual office hour hangouts that we have. It's just more about it's lunchtime. So 12 o'clock on the East coast time, and then 12 o'clock on the West Coast time, let's hold our virtual Chipotle lunch. And whoever wants to dial in on WebEx, similar to Zoom, dial in with your Chipotle lunch and just see who's hanging out and having lunch. And so it's not the same as, you know, working in the office and like sitting down with random people you may not even know at a table, but you could dial in and see someone, you know, like actually see who's eating their Chipotle and just say hi. I mean, exactly. You know, these rituals need to evolve. And, you know, I describe it, it goes back to honoring relationships and and being there for your people. You know, my guess would be that, you know, your crew members in Newport and in Columbus really are feeling a loss, you know, not having to have Chipotle Day, you know, a a real ritual for them, you know, and many of us are feeling loss in, in general these days. And I would venture to guess that even in this new format, um, this virtual Monday lunch, it gives your employees a sense of psychological safety and belonging and a connection to purpose. And it reminds them, you know, why do they get up and do what they do every day? Right. Yeah. I think it's really cool that it's not so much, hey, people experience, which is human resources that our company says do this. It's really coming from the employees. And we're like, great. How do we enable that? How do we help you do that? Right on. Yeah. So yeah. And it's, and it's connected to the values. Yes. Um, So one more ritual I would love to talk about is called the Adobo Awards. And I didn't know this and and to share with our listeners, I guess Adobo is the name of the key spice in the chicken at Chipotle, which is why it's called the Adobo Awards. And it's a chance where employees come together to really honor the the best of the best at yes. a big conference in Vegas. So this year, of course, uh, there are no big conferences in Vegas. So I'd love for you to share 
Um, you know, tell us about the ritual and what did you do this year instead? Yeah. So the Adobo Awards, um, it's a big deal. And the, the, the way it was described to me and then the way I experienced it for the first time, this is like the Oscars for our general managers. We have a conference every other year on the even years. So the first time I experienced it was 2018 and, um, they celebrate, the performance from the year before, and it's the top awards, right? So it's the top awards, whether it's the one who develops the most people or the, the highest retention rate, it could be um, the highest sales comps, you know, you get it. So there's different categories and people get nominated based on their performance. Some of these are not performance related. It's nominated based on behaviors and values. So there are eight different regions. So imagine eight finalists getting to it. And then that final, final Adobo award winner gets like the top award, right? And I had no idea it is a red carpet. You know, you think about the step and repeat, the paparazzi, all of that. That is the environment that happens during Adobo Awards. And it's so cool because when they announce even the finalists, it's a big deal. It's kind of like when you watch an Oscars or Emmy award ceremony, they play a video. And so it's a big deal, right? And then the acceptance speech is also a big deal. So the fact that the GM who wins the award gets up there and they pour their heart out and have their speech, much like we see, uh, it's more real and raw. There are no, like, I have a piece of paper. They just kind of get up and talk. Like that is so, everyone looks forward to that every other year with the Adobo Awards and everyone was looking forward to that. We had our conference scheduled for the middle of March, you know, March 15th, 16th and 17th. And we decided to cancel it because of COVID-19. And so it's kind of like, oh no, how do we recognize these Adobo Award winners? And so we thought, all right, how do we do it virtually? So the videos were already in production. What I mean by that is the highlight videos of all the finalists and so we took it a step further with our internal kind of communications team and said, all right, what if we told them we want to call them and do a Zoom interview and just do a Zoom interview, one more kind of interview follow-up on, uh, you know, on their award, like on their, on their finalist category. And so instead of, you know, they said, great, we'll queue up our GMs to do a Zoom interview. But on the other end of the Zoom was either Brian, our CEO, Scott, our chief restaurant officer, or me. And it was more like a surprise Zoom call. And we had this fake background, like a fake Zoom background with the Adobo Awards. So what you would have seen up on stage, but in our background, and um, we're all dressed in black. And actually, Scott and, and Brian were wearing tuxedos. It was hilarious. So here we are, we call each of the Adobe Award winners on Zoom and they think they're just jumping on to film a video. And here's like one of the leaders just saying, congratulations, Angelique, you are, you know, you are the Adobe Award winner for uh, developing the most people or living our values. And they're like, what? Like, it's just the kind of the same surprise, except for there's not a few thousand people in the room. But then they're just kind of beside themselves because now here are these leaders saying, this is your Adobe Awards event. Congratulations. And then, you know, what do you want to say to the organization? And they're making their acceptance speeches on Zoom, which is crazy. I just loved the surprise yeah. element. It was so real and authentic. And I have to yes. say, I really made my day 
watching it during during the beginning part of of quarantine. You know, I I often think in in my role in human capital of these reward programs and they're not rocket science. They don't have to cost anything, but they really do make people feel so special and it's an opportunity to connect employees back back to the purpose, back to the values as as you talked about earlier. And I just want to add that for people listening to the podcast, I do think it's important to think about some of your rituals, your team's rituals, your organization's rituals that you had before COVID and think about ways to maintain them. Because while it may be different, you know, the, in this story, you know, your, your crew members, your employees are still feeling, you know, this is, this is my yes. Chipotle. Um, and so I'm just so grateful and excited that that you shared these stories and that they're going to be in the book. Yeah, I'm excited too. I mean, I think when you learn that we did this kind of surprise Adobe Award ceremony on Zoom, we pushed it out. There's a note that went out from Brian to our community, you know, our, our employees, every employee in the company. I cannot tell you, maybe I did, how many employees watch the video and they're like, I this brought tears to my eyes, you know, watching this. And it was a sense of connection, like connecting everyone in the company, although virtually and via a video, you know, just how emotional this was for them too, to watch our esteemed Adobe Award winners, you know, receive their awards. So it reminds people why they come to work every day. And, you know, whether we're talking about bringing your human to work or rituals, you know, they, they're good for people, they're good for us as humans, mm-hmm. and, and they're good for business. You know, think about the impact that, these, that having these awards this year had on everybody and, and not just the winners. Yes. So I want to switch gears for a second and ask you one question that I ask all of my guests. And the question is, what do you do in your life, Marisa, that makes you feel most like you? Oh gosh, what do I do in my life that makes me feel most like me? Um, I know this is going to sound really silly. Uh, and people always ask me, uh, because I worked in fashion that during one of my career moments. So like, of course you work in fashion, but I think for me to make me feel most like me, even during COVID is I love fashion, right? To me, it's just kind of a you throw it together last minute. I always say it's a game time call. You can't plan on it. You just do it. And so I think how I express myself, not only verbally, but just one or two things that I might put on makes me feel like me. You know, whether it's the glasses, I have quite a collection. I actually need them to see on the computer. Um, but even during COVID, everyone's like, what do you mean? Why are you getting dressed up during COVID? And to me, it's kind of like, I feel most like me when I put a little bit of that flair and just that personality and express who I am through an accessory. So like, whether it's a cuff, um, you know, my glasses or whatever. And it's funny because um, I also, when we were traveling and when we were in the office, I'd like to do one-on-ones with all of our leaders. So the next level leaders And this one leader, and I didn't realize he was observing this about me, his name's Kevin. And he said, okay, Marisa, so we sit down, I'm in his office and he's just like, all right. He looks at me and he goes, check. And then he goes, check. I'm like, well, what's that all about? He goes, well, I can always count on when I see you, you're always going to wear these fun glasses and then you're going to have some crazy cuff or bracelet on. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, 
that's what I know about. He goes, Oh, it's Marisa. It's how, you know, it must be a usual day for her. So that's one silly thing. I know it sounds silly. No, I don't think that sounds silly at all. You know, it comes back to knowing yourself and and honoring that relationship with yourself and knowing what makes you feel good. Yes. You know, I and now more than ever, you know, focusing on those kinds of things are are really important for for all of us. That's awesome. I love it. So I want to end by asking some fun rapid fire questions. When you ordered Chipotle. What is your go-to order? My go-to is always a bowl, just light on the white rice or sometimes brown if I'm feeling crazy. I go carnitas, fajitas, always guacamole, fresh salsa, corn salsa, all the salsas actually I load up on all the salsas, and then the shredded lettuce. That's it. I agree. The chipotle guacamole is so good. It's my favorite. I love it. So next question, what is one of your your own rituals or a family ritual either now or when you were a kid? Oh, gosh. Um, I think a family ritual that still rings true from childhood through now is Sunday breakfast. So that growing up, because my parents worked all the time, the only time we really spent together as a family was sitting around and having breakfast and then going to church. Um, And then that continues on too with our family, you know, whether it's just Michael and I or our daughter, Brianna, who's off to school right now, she's at uh, William Woods University. Everyone has such crazy lives, but you have to reserve that time. Sunday morning, when I say Sunday morning, it's like 9 to 11 is when the family comes together. may not be this crazy full-cooked breakfast, but it's a time when you just kind of sit down and connect. And so I think that is so grounding for me. And if that doesn't happen, that means, um, you know, something's up, right? And Michael and I have lived all over. Like we were most recently living in New York and, you know, Brianna was off to school at at college. So how do you do that? Well, you can use Skype or now Zoom to at least make that connection, which I think is really important. Last show you binged on Netflix or Hulu or your, your network of choice. Oh my goodness. There are so many shows that I binge on when I do have time. Um, This is such a guilty pleasure. So it just got released last Friday, the third season of Selling Sunset. And it's this group of women who are real estate agents for the Oppenheimer Group up in Hollywood. And I think it's not so much the drama. I mean, it's so funny. And I, I love watching the interactions and going, gosh, if she only communicated this or if she only, you know, I think about that interaction. My husband laughs at me. He goes, you are just so stuck on like human relationships all the time. But it's not only that. What I love is it's just the scenery too, because I grew up in LA. I love shows. These are my favorite shows that have either Los Angeles as the backdrop or New York as the backdrop. And so that showed up on my iPhone saying, hey, the new season, you know, the new season just came up. Thank you so much for being here. I enjoyed getting to know you better. I'm excited that Chipotle and its many rituals are going to be in the book. And I look forward to staying in touch and following your career and seeing what else that we can do together. So thank you so much for being here. Erica, thank you so much. I so enjoyed having the conversation and just hanging out with you. Thank you for tuning in this week to Left to Our Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly newsletter, text the word HUMAN to 66866. Or you can connect with me by email at erica at spaghettiproject.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you next time.